Welcome to TA1, everything you wanted to know about adventure racing and then some. I'm your host, the tired and slightly sunburned legendary Randy Erickson. Been a good day of pitchers today. Started out at uh, 7 a.m. with the uh, mountain bike race for the Fat Tire Black Hills Fat Tire Festival. Kind of cool. I really just shot mountain bikes for a long time, so it was kind of cool to do that again. And then... Uh, after that was over, Black Hills Runners Club 5K, 10K, Fat Tire Trail Race. So uh, enjoyed that. Um, getting a lot of a lot of feedback on the photos already. Got them up a couple hours ago. Um, for some reason, I really get this uh, enjoyment when somebody uh, makes one of my photos or profile pictures. So um, yeah, I don't know why, but it's kind of cool. So, um, what else is going on? Not too much. Got shoot the Black Hills 100 mile next week. And what's after that? Maybe some uh, Supermoto. Yay. Motors for a change. And then uh, it's coming close to Cowboy Tough Time. So I'm really, really, really looking forward to that. Um, so I guess that's about it for this week. I don't really have much to say. Other than uh, check the links, if you want to navigate as well as Mark Latanzi, go to uh, his store. You can buy a Moscow Compass. Um, I th I'm pretty sure he guarantees that you can navigate as good as he does if you buy one. Um, uh, that may not be true in all 50 states, so check local listings. Um, that's it. Oh, get to go hiking with Floppy. He... Uh, Crashed his gravel bike a few weeks ago and ribs and broke a shoulder, collarbone, I mean, and then had to have it operated on. So uh, we haven't been able to do the hike thing for a while. And uh, so me and him and the chili dog will be out uh, out and about. So I guess we, no, I don't think we'll go very fast or take very many chances, but everybody else go fast, take chances. And thanks for listening. Hello. Good morning. Good morning. How are you? Well, good. Even though it's not morning here, but uh, what time is it there? It's uh, five thirty in the afternoon. Oh, okay. That's not too bad. No, it's um, fortunately for me, talking to both Australia and New Zealand. For some reason, you people all like to talk in the morning, so it works out good. <laughs> <laughs> it's the uh, Nordic countries that are hard because they always want to be like 3 a.m. in the morning for me, so it doesn't work. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> I'm glad I'm so obliging. Yeah, yeah. thank you. <laughs> so, um, okay, I've been doing a little research, which I never do, but these, these are some words I never thought I'd say together. The Australian National Cross-Country Ski Team. Yeah, no, it doesn't really go, does it? No, I mean, <laughs> I understand Australia is a big country, but is well, obviously there's snow. Yeah, yeah, there's there's snow. In fact, someone told me once that the the um, size of our ski fields or the snow area, not necessarily the ski fields, is the same size as Switzerland. Ah. So yeah. it's just that you know, relatively, it's a very small section of Australia. 
And I'm let me let me guess and show my ignorance. It's in the south part of the country. Yeah, yeah, that's right. So, yeah, see, you got it. Well, there so you go. Our ski season just opened last weekend. Yeah, yeah so that's, that's. Well, you know what? <clears throat> I'm going to be coughing and losing my voice some, but bear with me. So, um, it it doesn't strike me as unusual anymore. For a long time on Facebook, it'd be like. What are those people doing skiing or being in the snow? It's the middle of summer. And now I realize, oh, yeah, yeah, it's, they're opposite us. That's it. That's it. You're going into nice warm weather, and we've just hit cold weather. Yeah. We actually had some 100-degree uh, Fahrenheit over the weekend, so oh, we're getting nice. there. Yeah. Oh, that sounds beautiful. I, I hate cold. <laughs> I do too. So it's like, why do I live in some place? Although it's never all that cold around here, so it's okay. Yeah. But, I like the cold yeah. if there's snow, but if there's no snow, it's just pointless. Yeah. I don't care so much. I'm actually fine if it's sunny. If it's sunny and really, really cold, I'm fine, but it's the overcast I don't like. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, all right, so I was reading, having a discussion on Facebook about um, messages that you don't see in the other. And one of them was, would you have people introduce themselves on the podcast? Because <laughs> I, I kind of like to just start talking and let everybody figure out who you are. But... Oh, you got to help her. Yeah, I've got to help her. He's just on his way to, to daycare, aren't you, matey? This is my little three-year-old that's almost four, aren't you? Yeah. You had, you had one, one with a birthday yesterday, right? That's right, yeah. yeah. So um, he just turned seven. And then Tom, my husband, has his birthday on Sunday. And then the three-year-old turns four um, the week after. So we have three birthdays in two weeks. Well, that's cool. Um, yeah. All right, so we're going to push back the introduction a little bit. Your seven-year-old... I'm a bit stalking, sorry. But he was in a picture of him in climbing gear. And the kid looked more comfortable in climbing gear than most adults that I see at adventure races. <laughs> how, do you, how do you do that? Uh, I don't know. He he He's an, actually an awesome mountain biker. He just got a new bike for his birthday. And um, at seven, I think I'm going to have trouble keeping up with him already, which is a bit of a worry. Seeing, I thought that was meant to happen when they were about 12. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, he, he, uh, we were at a little climbing. It's actually a ropes course, oh. and um, they call it treetop. So it's all these, you know, ropes courses and flying foxes and things. And, yeah, he just loves it. I guess we've just been doing that sort of thing ever since he was born. And the yeah, well, old, I love it. Oh, yeah, and you love it too. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's cool. Okay, now introduce yourself, please. <laughs> uh, my name's Elena McMaster. What else do you want to say about um, me? <laughs> um, so you are, for lack of a better phrase, an old school adventure racer. That's very appropriate, I would say. And And, and we'll get into all that, but... My reading of it is you've kind of took a break for a little bit and then we're back at God's own. 
Yeah, that was the first adventure expedition race that I'd done in 12 years, I think nice. it was. So, yeah, you could say I took a little break. Yeah. <laughs> um, so why 12 years and then why come back at God's Own? I mean, I can understand coming back to do God's Own, but why why come back to an adventure race? Um, oh, maybe call it a midlife crisis. Um, <laughs> um, I don't know. I love it. I mean, it was just a good opportunity. Um, we, I didn't really do another adventure race after Nigel was killed. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that took a few years for me to, you know, get over that. I didn't really want to. And then I had children. So that didn't really fit in anymore. And I, um, we started a business, AROC Sport, where we were actually running adventure races um, and mountain bike races and trail running events and things like that. So that was pretty, you know, busy. Yeah. Um, starting a business and, you know, running your own business and having two young kids. So I just never had time to train properly. And as you know, with ad- adventure racing, um, well, expedition racing in particular, you, you need some long training sessions and that just, wasn't going to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, and then a year ago, just over a year ago, so it was actually a year at God's Own, um, I had a knee reconstruction. For, I snapped my ACL skiing in Whistler. Uh, well, no, not in Whistler. I went to Whistler and then I went on a cat skiing trip uh, so. in Canada and I uh, snapped my ACL, so that didn't go so well. No. Um, I, I hope you got a little skiing before you did it. Well, don't not, tell me it was the first run. It was the second run of the first know. step. Yeah. yeah, and it snowed fifteen centimeters every day, so I just watched it snow. Yeah, yeah wasn't so good. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, and then these young friends of mine decided they were going to do it and asked me to do it with them, and I just thought, oh, okay, why not? Give it a go. Yeah. Well, that's the uh, expedition racer mentality, right? Yeah. It's always, it's always why not. Yeah, exactly. And I, I'd been starting to do, you know, I I did a, I went to Tarawira and did the 60K. I'd never actually done a running race before. Mm-hmm. You know, obviously covered lots of kilometers on foot in adventure racing and so forth. But um, it's quite different. Just doing a you know a constant run when you don't need to stop and look at a map or anything like that. Um, so yeah, just and, and I'm going to Chamonix to do the uh, I've forgotten which one it is, but the 50 kilometer option of the UTMB in August. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. Um. Question about doing the sixty k. Do you do you find doing an ultra trail run like just really easy? Because you're on a trail, you don't have to look at a map, and you don't have to carry everything that you need. Is it is it almost just like how can this is just so easy compared to what I normally do? I actually found it hard. Really? Um, I think because you don't have other things to think about. Yeah. Well, okay. Um, and it's just, 
I mean, it was easy and it was hard at the same time. Yeah. Like I found it hard because you've got to try and remind yourself just to keep running and not mm-hmm. slow down and there's nothing different happening. Yeah. Um, I quite enjoyed it, but, you know, it made me realize there's no way I'd ever do a road race. Like how boring would that be? Yeah, yeah. You know, so sure a ten k or something, but you know nothing. Yeah, nothing too extreme on a road. Um, but I, I mean, I I also did enjoy doing the um, trail run because you didn't, in terms of preparing for it, you didn't have to think about different things. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. Like the one thing I probably don't like about adventure racing is all that preparation in a couple of weeks before, you know, trying to get all your gear together and all those little things that make a big difference. Yeah. Get it right. Yeah. Um, whereas in the trail run, you just really needed a little pack and some shoes. <laughs> that is kind of nice. It's kind of where my wife is at, at at now. She's kind of like, yeah, adventure race. And the team thing is hard if you don't have a a, a regular team like, you know, which she doesn't. So she's like, yeah, yeah I'm, I'm going to go trail run. Yeah. A pack and, yeah. pack and a pair of shoes. Yeah. Uh, and it's also easier, you know, you can feel like, you know, this morning, for example, I went out on a 45 minute run and you still feel like you're doing something, mm-hmm. um, but it, it's quite efficient. Yeah. 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 When you don't have the, have the time to go yeah. all day. Yeah. So it's, and I it's, get what she means about a team too. You know, yeah. like I've, never been one to just go in, you know, any old team. Mm-hmm. Back when I was racing, you know, we obviously always raced um, in my team, Team A-Rock. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And I think that was, you know, for me, that was one of the best things about it was my team. And yeah. I was interested in, you know, just being what we used to term an adventure racing slut. And just you know, pop from team to team. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, well, I think I think the term in the U.S. is mandatory gear. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Which is which is where Paulette has always been. Just yeah, team that a team that needs a woman. So, yeah, yeah. That's right. And I mean, you can definitely do that. You can. There's always people looking for, you know, a female to join their team. But for me, it was always about about the team and making sure that you had fun. And yeah, I mean, I just loved my team. That was just the best thing about it. That's cool. So um, let's let's. I want to talk a little bit about God Zone, then we'll we'll yeah. go backwards. Um, your team picture or the team picture I took of you guys that when is made my top thirty from God Zone. Is that the one on the when we're just sitting there getting our team photo? Yep, and. Uh, I don't even know how to describe the looks, but I'll put the picture up on the when the show goes up because it just there's four people not quite on the same page right there. Yeah, no, it's hilarious. It's like um, I remember that we put a few little captions to it. Yeah. Um. So how how was your first race after 12 years for you? Oh, it was excellent. I really enjoyed it. It was. It was really fun. Um, uh, New Zealand was beautiful. Like I think it was a really nice race to come into. Um, God's own, you know, I'd heard a lot about it. Um, really well organised, um, had a nice fun 
kind of vibe about it. Um, it was hilly. Yeah. I'd totally forgotten that New Zealand was quite so um, hilly. <laughs> Had quite such large mountains. So, um, yes, they did. Yeah, beautiful. Um, so did, I mean, obviously it's a good experience. Did, did you have any bad times during God's own? I was curious to know how, when people have a bad patch, how they get through it. Yeah, not really. We had a, um, we had a patch, I think it was the last ride. Well, actually we did have a bad patch when we got really lost. So that was on that first big trek. Um, and so in my team, we had two, uh, Dave Meyer and Peter Preston, the Preston name you probably heard of before brother of Rob Preston. Um, they're both very good orienteers, but hadn't done a lot of stuff on, you know, the one in 50,000 type. Yeah. The big scale. Yep. The big scale. So they had done a little bit, but we, I think, you know, that was one of our downfalls is that we hadn't really practiced on that. Mm. And the other thing was that they hadn't, you know, they used to going fast and they just couldn't comprehend that we were actually moving so slowly. Uh, and I said, you know, look, I think we're probably going two and a half to three Ks an hour at the moment. And in fact, we were probably going more like one and a half to two Ks. Um, so we got quite lost because we thought we were basically 10 Ks further along the map than we really were. So we're trying to find where we are in this section of the map, which was nowhere near where we really were. Yeah. Um, so we, we spent a lot of time out up on Ben Nevis, I think it was, the Red Hills. Mm-hmm. section and it was cold and it was sleeting and it was really windy and it was dark and we had no idea where we were <laughs> um and um that was i thought oh my god we're gonna die of hypothermia up here and i yeah. i just thought we can't even put up our our tent you know it's just so windy, windy. and so rocky that we just have to keep walking around in circles because, you know, we, there's nothing else we can do. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. So we did do that for a while, um, trying to work out where we were. We, A couple of other teams uh, were a bit lost too, but not quite as lost as us. They were a little bit further along the map than, um, you know, than we were in terms of where they thought we were. <laughs> Um, but that sort of gave us an indication. So it was a bit of a, it was a really steep learning curve for us. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm, I'm not the navigator, so I was no use. And, um, other than to keep saying, do you think you know where we are yet? <laughs> <laughs> Just that annoying sort of thing. Yeah. <laughs> um, but we, we did eventually work it out and then plotted along. And, um, then we ended up, we got to that next checkpoint. I think it was checkpoint eight that was on top of the knolls. And again, that was a really good experience because on the map it was only, you know, one knoll marked and we must have gone over 10 to get to them. I kept thinking we'd get to the top and go, this is it. Oh, 
Nope. And then we'd see another one after we got to the top. Oh, it's that next one. Get up. Oh, this is it. Oh. <laughs> it was a bit like, um, yeah, a bit disappointing, a bit disillusioned every time you got to the top of this knoll to find that it wasn't the one. So. And, and then we did a coming off that that knoll, we were meant to follow the um, these flags to take us down to the gull, and we followed a couple, and then we were with maybe three or four other teams, and they all went down this gully, and we just got caught up. You know when you just get caught up following or not following but being with the teams mm-hmm. yeah, and not re-looking at our map properly to make sure we were on the right track. So we actually went down the wrong, totally the wrong gully. Yeah. Um, and it was very, it was different but similar to where uh, Nigel was killed. Yeah. And I had a bit of a freak out. Like there was just really loose rocks. And one of my teammates dislodged a rock. Oh, no. Um, and it was a bit smaller, but it was still a substantial size. It was probably, um, trying to think, the size of a, you know, backpack, so, you know, a, yeah. a, a day pack sort of thing. Anyway, it was all very slow motion. It came right for me. I actually couldn't move out of the way. I was just glued to the spot but luckily it was going very slowly and it did hit me in the leg I got a nice bruise from it but nothing horrible but I had a bit of a, a panic attack I guess you'd say anxiety sort of yeah <laughs> I, I could say yeah duh freaked out and I just raced down raced down to the bottom of that gully sort of saying don't come anywhere near me (laughs) and then sort of fell in a heap at the bottom and the the other guys eventually got to me um and that was down the wrong gully and then we didn't we sort of looked at the map but the the guys didn't get out their compass which Mm. was a bad move because then we just orientated the map to fit the land yep um without realizing Mm. that we'd gone the wrong way and so we kept kind of going down to the next and it started getting quite cliffy but there was teams we could see you know teams in front of us as well that have gone right down and and then we're with another team and this other team said um just put your compass on the map and let me know what you reckon (laughs) we did that and all went oh oops oops (laughs) that's probably a polite way to put what we said yeah Um, yeah (laughs) We we don't want to put the explicit tag on the podcast. Yeah, that's it. Um, so then we were like, oh, so that was a good two hours wasted. So we had to climb back up that gully and then knew where we were. And then we were really good after that um, and, you know, got our mojo back again, except that then after we had a, found a hut, that was so nice about in New Zealand too, these random huts that you come across with, you know, mattresses and things in them. So that is was a really nice way to have a little sleep. But then we um, trying to going up to the last checkpoint before the transition area. Mm-hmm. Um, we had this plan of where we were going to go and we went there and it ended up being a big canyon and it was night time. And there was water just gushing through, so that wasn't a safe option. So then we tried to go up this ridge, but we kept getting cliffed out because we just, I guess we were just more familiar. By then we were a bit uh, despondent 
with how we were going and we just took the really, really long option and went on this track that, you know, added, I don't know how many, more than 10Ks to it. Um, but at least we knew we were going to get to the, the checkpoint. So that whole leg took us 36 hours or something. Wow, yeah. I think it's the longest time I've ever spent on one <laughs> leg in my life. <laughs> um, so yeah. that, that was um, that was interesting. But, you know, having said that, we're all kept in good spirits and, you know, everyone was pretty good about it. We we didn't have any fighting or, or anything. We were just like, oh, well, we'll just go along here and see what happens. And then – but then after that, we really – you know, we got used to the maps. We worked out what tracks mean on New Zealand maps mm-hmm. uh, and got to know, you know, quickly found out what the terrain was like and, um, you know, it became yeah. each leg better and better for us. Yeah. Well, that's good. Um, does it make you feel a little better, like after the race when you start talking to everybody and realize that, Almost everybody had problems in there, and it wasn't wasn't just you guys. Um, yeah, I mean, we knew everyone was having problems as well, but that's something that I've always, you know, my I've always thought with adventure racing, you just the thing is, you just never give up because yeah. you just don't know what is happening to other teams. It's so, you know, it's so long. So many things happen over the course of that five six, seven days. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, that's that's the whole beauty of it. And that's why I could never be apart from the fact I've got no talent, but you know, like a hundred K uh a hundred meter runner or something like that. Like there's just you, you know, you've only got ten seconds to perform. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I I, hear, um, I know what you're saying, yeah. You're just uh you're like a diesel, you just get started and you just never stop, right? Yeah, yeah, and I just I like that whole aspect of it. I like the fact that you don't know what's happening and all these, you know, you have to overcome adversity and you have to go through all these different um, emotions and physical kind of things that happen and you just got to get through it and that's all mm-hmm. part of the challenge. That's what I really like about it. Yeah, yeah. Um, all right, well, that, that, that can segue me into – old school again so you guys were pretty good let's just let's just say that right yeah we can say that when you were racing in the old days were you racing other teams or were you racing the course um a bit of a bit of both you know when you knew where another team was you know, we always tried to go a bit harder and, um, you know, it, it definitely was something that pushed you along to move faster. Yeah. Um, you know, yeah, we were competitive. We, I mean, the main thing for us was always to have fun, but we were also competitively having fun. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, hey, it's always fun when you're doing well, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> so, um so how did how did you get from the Australian cross country national ski team to adventure racing? 
Well, <laughs> I guess some, um, <laughs> let's say. I just really like saying the Australian national. Yeah, I got team. that. <laughs> I got that. <laughs> um, it, I guess, you know, skiing in Australia, you have to do a lot of dry land training. Mm. It's, you know, it's different to if you're a Scandinavian skier where, you know, you can spend most of your time on snow. So even in the winter here, if you're, you know, working or studying or, or whatever, you're not actually living on the snow. So you're only going up on weekends or whatever. So you have to do a lot of dry land training, which meant that we did, um, you know, a lot of running and riding and paddling and, all sorts of things, and and I don't know if it's so much now, but back when we were in, I was in the ski team. You did a lot of what we used to call long, slow distance, and we'd make up our own adventures, and we'd you know hike over mountains or you know run through the bush and all that sort of stuff, and we'd do a little bit of orienteering or or row gaining and, you know, so you did all those other sorts of sports. And then when I finished cross-country skiing, I kind of got into multi-sport races. Uh, We had a couple of, you know, two-day multi-sport, you know, you sleep at night. Um, And they were quite popular in Australia, during that time, so that's probably the, I don't know, 90s. And um, then I actually, Tom and I went to South Africa. I got a a job there just for like a six-month job to set up an office for the company I was working with at the time. And we went to South Africa and, you know, did lots of hiking and all that sort of stuff. But then we actually got rung up by um, Novak Thompson, used to race with very same Montreal is probably the most well known of his teams and he said oh do you want to come in this um, thing called the eco challenge um, we were like yeah right whatever what's that and he and he um, <laughs> sent us a video of it and we were, we were just in hysterics because you know no offense but it just was showing, you know, all these American teams broken down in tears and um, we just thought it was hilarious. We had no idea what we were doing. So we actually, that's how we started. We Our first ever sort of any kind of adventure race was the Eco Challenge in Cairns and we rocked up. I think we came, flew straight in from South Africa. It was pretty close on our way home. Novak had pre-packed all our food and everything because we had no idea. Um, we learnt to Juma uh, at the hotel the day before the race. <laughs> He'd set up these ropes from the balcony. Um, but it was, all, <laughs> it was all very kind of random. <laughs> no. But it was great. It was really good fun and that just set the scene. We just went yeah. from there. Yeah. That's, uh, that's the adventure racer way. Jump in, jump in the deep end with both feet and then get out and go do it again right yeah yeah i i guess that's probably you know that kind of to me is what sets apart 
you know, the good adventure races from, from the others is the people that can just jump in and try new things and, um, you know, don't yeah. get caught up in it. Just go and do it, you know? Yeah. It, it, it's one of my goals and I don't know how you ever do it, but I would love to talk to somebody that jumped in, did an eco challenge for their first adventure race and then it's like, nope, not ever going to do another one and never did. Yeah. <laughs> Because yeah, okay. it, it would be interesting to see their mindset, why they why they tried it. I mean, kudos for trying it, but yeah, it's not for everybody, right? No, definitely not. Yeah. Definitely not. Um, um, yeah. So, two part question: what's what's the one? Uh, how do I want to say this? What was what was your favorite race you did back in those days? And what's the one that you were like, oh man, I, that you don't have hardly any good memories of? Because you did a lot of races. There's got to be one or two that were kind of like it wasn't much fun. Um, you know, the thing about our team was that we always just made the best of it. Yeah. Like no matter what it was like, we always just loved it. Mm -hmm. Um. Just trying to probably the ones that weren't always the first primal quest mm -hmm. uh, that we did. It was a bit tedious, you know. There's a lot of riding on roads and yeah. that um, was Tahoe, right? That was Tahoe, yeah. and it was such a beautiful area. And it was just disappointing that the race didn't showcase much of that. Mm -hmm. Um, and there was bits that we thought were pretty dangerous. I thought, you know, that's not, that's not great. Um, but you know, we came second in that. So that was a good moment. <laughs> um, all right. I'm going to stop you right there for a second. You guys took second and then you went to Chicago and did the wild onion the next week. Yeah, and I have to say that was one of the most fun races I have ever done. Really? We absolutely had a blast. <laughs> it was just, uh, I can't even begin to describe how much fun it was. It was just awesome. I mean, we'd done this great, tedious road trip in our yeah. motorhome across across the country through all the flatland and stuff. That was a bitty bit you know eye-opening for us yeah um you know i remember being somewhere i don't know if it was called delaware or somewhere like that just trying to find a coffee shop because we needed a coffee and we couldn't yeah. find anything it was just like this big concrete um almost abandoned place apparently there were people there but i guess they were all inside somewhere but <laughs> um yeah that was yeah. That was hilarious. And then, yeah, the race, the, the wild onion was just so much fun. We had, you know, kick, kick biking past the, the jazz clubs at three o'clock in the morning. And, um, we went up the, the Sears Tower. We had to, you know, run up the stairs to the top and we were carrying rollerblades and poles and everything. And we were just singing at the top of our voices the whole way going up this stairwell and it just echoed everywhere. Apparently yeah. other teams were just going, oh, my God, because they were huffing and puffing apparently. <laughs> and 
we were just like having this party. <laughs> and yeah, it was really fun. It was a so, really fun race. That's, yeah, that sounds like cool. Too bad we don't have some of those nowadays. In the yeah. US. Yeah, we're, we're kind of boring. I mean, it was, it was quite different too because it was only a 24 hour race. Yeah. So it was quite different to, you know, what we'd been doing. Um, so it's sort of fast and furious. Yeah, more more of that speed and yeah, done, right? Yeah. 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 Um, what if you could go back and tell yourself something, whatever, when you first first started racing, something you've learned since you started racing, you know, go back and tell yourself in the early days. What's what's the biggest lesson? Maybe you learned from adventure racing or the. the you know, maybe there's one trick that you wish you'd known back then. Um, I think we got it in the end, but um, how to sleep, mm. I think, is really important. Yeah. You know, working out a, a sleep strategy that works for you and not being – making sure that you do that and not not being influenced by other teams – like the times when you make the biggest mistakes are when you're influenced by other teams. Yeah. And again, like even in God's Zone, you know, going down that wrong gully uh, was because we were trying to keep up with the teams and not didn't take the time to, you know, check the map. Um, you know, other I, in every race, I can think of a a point where, you know. We shouldn't have followed other teams, yeah. and it's often you know you don't take the sleep because you can see this other team and you want to keep up with them or or something like that. Mm, yeah, um, but yeah, that's probably two things. <laughs> that's all right. We're we're uh, we're a pretty loose operation here. You can <laughs> you can have as many you can tell your early days self as many things as you want. <laughs> like we had just sleep's an interesting one because we did. Um, Southern Traverse, I think it was 2003, mm -hmm. and we tried this totally new sleep strategy. And um, it wasn't very – we still did quite well, but it wasn't very effective, and we nearly caused permanent damage to our teammate, I think, from making him go so long without sleep. Oh. But we were trying just basically 20 minutes every 24-hour period. Um <laughs> And yeah, it just didn't. It didn't work. <laughs> yeah, that seems a little, a uh, little on the light side of sleep to me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it was that whole thing of, oh, if we just didn't take that, you know, big sleep, we'd be right. You know, you'd have so much more time, but you just work out that you just lose so much in inefficiency and, you know, falling asleep while you're walking that it's not worth it. Yeah, yeah, I can understand that. Um, can, I don't want to spend a lot of time on this, but a lot of people don't know who Nigel was. They they know the name, but who was he, and what was he? What did he mean to you guys as a team? Um, so Nigel Aylott was he was actually a very very good row gainer, mm -hmm. um, exceptional row gaining. I think I'm not sure if he won the world championships or not. But he used to travel around to them. 
and um, he, so he was like our back. So Tom was our main navigator. Mm. Nigel was sort of the second navigator. Um, but he was also the energizer bunny. He just had so much energy. He just, um, he was amazing. He could just go and go and go. Um, it was a race we did in Australia, XPD in Broken Hill one year, and it was, um, you know, out in the outback of, of Australia. And I just distinctly remember in that race, Nigel was the cameraman for our team. And he was just doing laps, like we'd be going along and he'd run up ahead and take photos and then take photos from behind and then run up ahead again. And, um, yeah, it was just, <laughs> it, it was just amazing. Um, but, you know, he was very dedicated. Um, he used to, he, whenever he rode, you'll see photos with him riding. His helmet is always lopsided. That's a big thing I remember. Mm, and yeah. he used to always say, I assume, and we <laughs> he used to drive us crazy and say, I assume, da, 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 and I yeah. assume, da, 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 da. <laughs> yeah. Well, that Energizer Bunny person on the team, I think sometimes, I mean, all the good teams have them. Yeah. But, I, but sometimes I think they kind of get a little bit of a short, short shift because it's like well all he all he's doing is supplying all the energy to the team but um i don't think you can be a good team without one yeah no i think it's really important um you know i think that's why our team um back in those old days worked so well you know we had tom land smith who's my husband he's just was just a fabulous adventure racing navigator mm-hmm. Um, we had Nigel who was also a good navigator. So it's always good to have two in a team and also, you know, carried all the excess gear and (laughs) is our pack horse and energizer bunny. Um, Matt Dalziel was an awesome paddler amongst other things, but that was, you know, fantastic. And, and then I've always been kind of like, I'm the one that keeps the team together. Yeah. Um, that's always been my role. Make sure everyone's all right. Make sure everyone's got all the gear they're meant to be carrying. And, um, you know, which is a very important role as well. It, so it, it, absolutely. It, it all worked really well. Yeah. And in fact, that was quite funny at God's Zone um, when I did it. So in, in the whole team, I was probably the most experienced paddler. And it's really been 12 years since I've paddled anything. (laughs) And I used to always be teamed up with Matt. So Matt's, you know, like a a world-class downriver racer. And so going through any whitewater, I just paddled. I didn't have to do anything. He made sure we went the right route and all that sort of thing. And, you know, when you do competitive competency testing and you have to, you know, fall out of your boat or do a roll in your double C kayak, I'd just lean forward, um, put my paddle to the side and you go, okay, ready, set, go and roll us around. I didn't do anything. Wow. 
Um, so then <laughs> in God's zone, going down the white water, and it was just hilarious because none of us had any idea what we were doing. And I'm surprised we got down. We did. Yeah. Um, but that was, you know, we were just getting stuck on rocks. And even though we could paddle, it's knowing the water, you know, knowing where to go that really makes you different from another team Yeah, and makes your progress a lot faster, you know, when you get stuck on every little rock. Um, it becomes a bit tiresome after a while, <laughs> having to keep jumping out, especially when it's shallow. Yep. Yeah. Um, but that was, yeah, that was pretty funny. Well, cool. Um, couple of more AR questions, and I want to I want to talk to you about about your business and the races you put on. But um, how many sunrises do you think you've seen adventure racing? Wow. <laughs> a lot. I think a lot's probably a close enough number. Yeah. That's one of the nicest things too. It, it isn't yeah. always so great. Yeah. Because you've had a hard night and the sun comes up and it's like. It's know. like a, a new day, you know. Yeah. Um, it always energizes you. Yeah. So, And then this, the second one is, do you have another adventure race? On the horizon? At this stage, no. Um, the guys that I did God Zone with are pretty keen to do God Zone again. Yeah. Uh, at this stage, I won't just because um, I'm going to France in August and then we'll go on a family ski trip to Park City in December. So that's probably enough for me and in in a year yeah um and you know my kids are only well now almost four and seven yeah. and i really enjoyed the whole training for god's own and stuff but i think just at this point in my life it, it is really hard to put in that training yeah um i'm a you know with with working full time and and i'm a pretty dedicated mom i don't want to miss well it's a good time for kids. They yeah. Still like, they still like you. Exactly. And I, I don't want to miss that. Yeah. But, you know, looking back and saying, oh, well, the adventure racing was good, but I missed seeing my kids grow up properly. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I'll, you know, maybe once every two years or something would be, would be good. But like I said, I, I'm sort of enjoying just doing, I've done a few more multi-sport races, just one day things. The sort of things you can get away with without doing, a lot of training mm -hmm. and yeah. again you just don't have all that preparation and they're more local so i don't have to you know spend 10 days away from my family or whatever makes uh, perfect sense to me so um you have my blessing to adventure race whenever you want <laughs> oh, <thanks. laughs> um, so tell me a little bit about a rock so we've actually changed a lot over the years. We started in 2000 and what are we up to now? It must be about 2003 mm -hmm. we started the business. And at that time, the, the reason we started was that we really loved expedition racing and adventure racing. And we used to get so many people saying, oh, I'd love to do that. I'd love to do what you do. And you just look at them and think you would never do that. 
Um, yeah. You just don't have the commitment or the time or the ability, I mean, not in a negative way, but just thinking you're never really going to do that. But wouldn't it be good if you could somehow experience that? Mm. So we decided that we would try to put the expedition racing into something that could be enjoyed by general, um, you know, just the general person. So we started up this business running short three to six hour adventure races, which back then hadn't really been done a lot. I think there might have been, maybe there was a short series in, in the US, I'm not sure, but I think they're more like 12-hour ones. Yeah, I think so. So we just started this kind of sprint adventure races and with the idea of giving that experience to anybody. So that, that's that's how we started. That's what AROP was to start with and we ran a few series um, throughout New South Wales and um, – in Canberra, which is where we live, and, you know, sort of not more on the east coast of Australia. We didn't go over to the west. Yeah. And then we just kept expanding from that. Then we ran um, a few 24-hour events and a 48-hour event. We started this one called the Rat Race, which was like a um, more you had different activities you could go to you know it could be like a pole dancing class or um um you know there could be a little orienteering section or it could be you know making a smoothie or it could be a fancy dress thing or just a whole lot of different activities that were around that were open at certain times and you got certain points from it and you had you know six or 12 hours to complete as many as you could cool sounds fun that was that was really fun yeah that was a good fun one and then we kind of got into running mountain bike races 100k 50 and 100k mountain bike races and then we uh, started a paddling race on sydney harbour and then and we also started a 100k trail running event which was called the north face 100 so that was nine years ago that we started that and so three years ago, we stopped running the adventure races and we just ran the mountain bike races, the paddling races and the trail running race. And now we just have two races. One is the paddling race and the other is the um, North Face 100, which we rebranded this year to Ultra Trail Australia. Yeah. So well, we don't. I'm, to- I'm guessing that's um, a lot of work just with two races, right? Yeah, yeah. And Ultra Trail Australia now is just um, huge. It's and you know we work on it all year. We've got two full time staff as well as Tom and I that work on it. Oh. Um, yeah. Well, so how big is it? I mean, how many runners? Because you just it was just a couple of weeks ago, right? Yeah, it was in May, mm-hmm. uh, sort of mid May. Um, we get, I think this year, I think we had about three thousand six hundred runners. <laughs> Um, we bring about 10,000 people to the area. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's a real festival. You know, it has an expo and, you know, different activities as well as the the actual running events. So, 
Sounds yeah. fun. Yeah, it is. It's it's hard work, but it it's you know, it's rewarding. Well, cool. Um, all right. Well, I could probably talk to you for a while longer, but this has never happened before. But I'm going to do another uh, interview in about uh, ten minutes. Oh, awesome! Yeah, with uh, Steve Gurney from New Zealand. So, oh, say hello. I will. <laughs> I, I, I thank you very much for chatting. I just, I'm really enjoying um, going back in time. Let's say. Yeah, I was going to say you're obviously doing a run of all the oldies. Well, kind of. I, um, uh, Jim Robinson wrote a book called CP25, which is the twenty first twenty five years of uh, adventure multi sport in New Zealand. So yeah, um, it's uh, it's given me a lot. Of, I mean, I knew a lot of the people he talks about, but uh, there's a few more that I'd like to chat with. So um, it's. It's been cool. Thank you very much. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you. It's been yes. fun to be a part of it. Well, hopefully uh, next I'll, I'll make you a deal. Next time you do an expedition race, I'll have you on again. Okay, sounds wonderful. All right, so Thanks we'll see you in about – we'll talk in about two years. Sounds good. It's a date. All right. Thank you very okay. much. See you. Bye. All right. Bye. Hi. Um, my name's Chris Parker. I live in Oak Park. That's a suburb. They probably figured that out. <laughs> this is Brad, Sarah, and Daryl. And we're in trouble. A no doubt. See me and my boyfriend, Mike. Tonight's our anniversary. But then he went and canceled. And now I'm stuck watching these three. And it's so hard. And it's so hard. Babysitting these guys. She got the... I got this call from Brenda. I went to pick her up. Tar had a blowout, and my mom's car got shot up. And these guys started to chase us. And we all got hijacked. <laughs> We're cruising down the highway. In this big old Cadillac, and it's so hard. Yeah! Yeah! It's so hard. Babysitting these guys. She got the babysitting blue. Baby, baby. Baby sitting blues. I've got the baby sitting blues. Well, alright. The night you swear you were born to lose, like the night, and you wish your feet were walking in someone else's shoes. Guys are out to get us. And Brenda's probably dead. We ain't got a nickel. And they should be in bed. And you out of luck. Out of luck watching these guys. I've got the baby sitting blues. Baby, baby. Baby sitting blues. Baby, baby. Baby 
And the girl's probably dead. She ain't got a nickel. And we should be back.